Welcome to the Next Dimension Podcast, your portal to an extended reality. Every week we talk about the hottest topics in XR and let you join the discussion live on MRTV. And now, get ready for another exciting episode coming up. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Next Dimension podcast, your podcast which is all about VR and AR. And today I'm here with Tatiana from Disco VR. Tatiana, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. Great, I'm so looking forward to the show and yeah, glad to have you here for the second time today. So cool. And also, of course, with Anthony from VR365. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing real good, Sebastian. Glad to be talking about some exciting VR technologies coming up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also with me, Sebastian Ang, the founder of MRTV, and I'm hosting the show for you, and I'm so much looking forward to today's show. So if you don't know about the Next Dimension podcast, it is a very new podcast. As you can tell, only episode five. We go live every Saturday at 9 p.m. Central European time, that is 8 p.m. in London, that is noon in San Francisco, and that is 3 p.m. in New York City. And, well, we are recording this live right now on MRTV, and this is also an audio podcast, and you can listen to the podcast wherever you, fi you can find podcast shows. So it should be possible for you to listen to us as an audio podcast as well. Today, we have a very exciting show. As always, today we're going to talk about different things coming out of CES 2021, the all-digital CES this year. Yeah, because obviously we, we cannot meet there and have a great time. I was there actually last time. And um, yeah, probably COVID-19 was already at the show floor. I'm pretty sure about this, actually. <laughs> So, yeah, well, um, this, this year, all digital CES, and we're going to have a look at the Panasonic VR viewer. It's uh, an AR headset that's also there, and in general, we're going to talk about what's coming out of CES. Not so many things, honestly speaking, about virtual reality anyways. Then also, we're going to talk about Doom 3 for the Quest, and I played it on the Quest. It's so cool that you can simply sideload it, and we're going to talk about these kind of things, sideloading apps to the Quest 2, and especially, of course, Doom 3 and how it feels to play this game in 2021 for the first time because I didn't play it in, I think, 2004 it was. Then... We will also talk about the Samsung VR headset, the Bug of Vision, how Anthony has described it. <laughs> the headset that looks a bit like bee eyes or like fly eyes. And yeah, we're going to check it out and we're going to think about it, like what kind of tracking is it going to use? We're going to look at the controllers and it should be pretty interesting. Then we're going to talk about the Oculus Quest um, sharing, account sharing, because soon we're going to be able to use a headset with the members of the family on, with different accounts, and that should be pretty interesting. And then we're also going to talk about an interview that Boss, Bossworth, gave The Verge, and Boss is heading the Facebook Reality Labs, and some interesting talk. He gave some interesting talk about privacy and and different kind of user accounts. So this is going to be pretty interesting. But before we do that, I would like to find out from Anthony first. Anthony, how was your week? What did you do? 
Uh, yeah, you know, it was a pretty good week. Um, I don't know that there was anything that really jumps out at me in terms of what I did. I did finally do an episode on my own channel, which has been kind of slow over the last couple of weeks. So I'm back on my own channel after you guys finish this one. If you want another long podcast to kind of listen to, you can check that out. Um, in terms of like VR, I have tried this new experience battle scar. Might talk about that a little bit later. And um, some other VR experiences as well. We Live Here is an experience that's free on the Oculus Quest. Pretty good. Might want to check it out. It's actually pretty decent. Okay. Really looking forward to hear about Battlescar. It sounded so interesting. Like, um, yeah, the real punks are girls, right? That's what I got <laughs> from the intro. <laughs> yeah. That should be good. Yeah. Tatiana, how about you? How about your week? Oh, you know, after uh, all the holidays... I thought that maybe, just maybe, this could be a good time to start working out again. Oh, that's and a good idea. This, and this is, gave me a good enough reason to finally try working out in VR, which I have been putting off for some reason. But I tried Supernatural finally, and I, I really liked it so far. Now, I, I'm not married to it. I'm still on the trial, so I don't know <laughs> if I will be continuing it. But I'm working with it and with Beat Saber, and I'm trying to... I'm thinking that maybe I'll try FitXR as well, just to just to have this nice VR workout package going on. Oh, that's but cool. Speaking, yeah, but but speaking of Beat Saber, I finally um, um, discovered how to do all kinds of custom things and mods there, which I have. As soon as I figured it, this out, I was like, oh man, I need to share this. So I made this video explaining how to do the custom sabers and blocks and walls and songs, obviously, and um, and it was uh, backed up by the modding community. <laughs> so it was wonderful because, yeah, this is a working thing. And I've been uh, really engaged with just customizing all, all the stuff in Beat Saber. So, oh, so yeah, yeah, a lot of cool. just lots of fun stuff. <laughs> That's great. Um, about Supernatural, like um, you have to pay every month, right, to be able to play it. Is it like this? Still That's the same right. business model? It's still the same business model, but okay. they do give a little bit of a discount if you go annual. But I think it's only you would only be saving like twenty dollars. Okay. Which makes it about one, two dollars a month. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. If you really want to go for it, you can, but I'm still in the trial and we'll we'll see how it goes. I might might actually continue paying for it if I like it and how yeah. how expensive is it? Well, it's, if it's twenty dollars a month, right? So okay, it's, uh, all right. That's that's definitely something to think about if you want to pay that, right? That's right. Wow. Yeah, I have not yet checked it out, honestly speaking. But um, yeah, probably sometimes if you pay for something, you will feel like, oh, you should do more. You should really use it. You should really do the workouts, right? Some psychological pressure to put yourself into to do some workouts. Yeah, but you know, it also adjusts to you. So you put all your all the specifications. You can choose the intensity level. You can even do meditation, so you don't have to always just work out. They have all a right. warm up and like cool down kind of exercises. And the views are oh beautiful. You 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 will be in Iceland. You will be in Brazil. Okay. Every workout is like in a different lo beautiful location. So it's similar to Beat Saber with like motions. 
but it's a lot more targeted towards like working out. And there are the coaches that are always like, yeah, don't forget to breathe. Just <laughs> give it your best. So they're motivating you. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Okay. I got <laughs> it's it. It's really not bad. But yeah, um, yeah love... that sounds good. But uh, the, the workouts, the teachers, they're not live there, right? No, they're pre-recorded. Okay. Um, they're pre-recorded. Yeah, right, they're not. Right. <laughs> they're yeah, not live, I mean, it would be good if they, it would be cool if they were live, like like Peloton, right? You know the Peloton model where you have this kind of like a bike, and then you have those classes, and then those classes can be live, and then they can say like, "Hey, Sebastian, great, well done, keep on going." Like, yes, yes. <laughs> I <laughs> like that. Really I like that, that idea actually. I think it's cool. Actually, they, they should. Yeah, they should, maybe you should, they should think about it to mm -hmm. to to do live classes. I would pay for that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's somehow it's a different feeling. Cool. You know, yeah. exercise in VR, I think this is going to be an incredible thing long term. But we do have some issues in terms of like sweating and stuff, because like if you really get into it and you start doing a lot of exercise in VR, you notice how quickly you get hot and sweaty. And we don't really have VR headsets yet that are like the Nerf edition, you know, or the sports edition, you <laughs> right. know, waterproof type VR headsets that are specifically designed for like, yeah, exercise all you want in this with like face pads that just pop off and you pop on a new one for sweat and when we get lighter weight and everything. But I think long term, it's going to be incredible because we can do exercise where we're so entertained with whatever's going on throughout the exercise and all around us that you don't even remember that you're exercising. Like I, I can definitely imagine a future where we're going to be on exercise bikes and you're like biking through the forest and just doing, and it's almost like you're on a biking adventure, but you're getting exercise as well. And it's analyzing your heart rate and all that. It's going yeah. to be yeah, pretty amazing. It's, it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> I think it already is happening because there's already an app. Um, I don't remember the exact name, but it's basically canoeing. If you have that that rowing ah, kind of machine okay. for working out, yes. there's already an app out there where you can yeah. just wear it and you can canoe like everywhere, just look around, and and you're working out on this on right. this machine. So also, also I, the I'm, also the bike I'm, thing already is existent. Actually, there is yes, something yes. like this already. Yeah, VR Zoom version yeah, right, or something right, like that. Right. The thing is, though, I, I want it to be on a higher level. Like like I want a bike where. Like you're actually like steering the bike. The bike has rumble. Like like I want, I don't want it to just be. Oh, this kind of works. This is kind of immersive. No, I want to be. You like, want to be in. Yeah, I'm steering the bike. You know, yeah. and the bike is like mapped into the game perfectly. Okay. Yeah, I've seen something like this actually in the Netherlands. They have something in in Amsterdam. There's an experience where you sit on a mountain bike and then you are driving through the mountains like uh, very close. To, uh, to falling down, and that is supposed to be very, very immersive, but yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's just like, a, it's just like a, an experience where you go to. So if you are in Amsterdam, then don't mm -hmm. just smoke all the weed, yeah, also go and check, <laughs> check, out, check out that experience. But at the moment, everything should be closed, yeah, so that won't be possible. But yeah, I'm totally with you, um, Anthony. This should be good, and that's going to get better and better working on in VR. And even right now, the form factor isn't perfect, right? The Quest 2 is already quite good, but the form factor is going to get much better for all these workouts, right? We're going to talk about the Panasonic VR viewer in a moment, then here... This thing here is um, 
the Huawei Glass. It's already like like really like a very cool form factor for a VR headset, and that works really well. <laughs> so we're going to get to that space where it's really nice to have to do sports in VR. Cool, cool. Yeah, that was your week. Or do you have anything more that you did, um, Tatiana? Oh, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> I do have some other things that I plan to do. Like there are there are many new games coming out, and I'll be adding them to my wish list and just waiting okay. for them to come out. So I'll be uh, yeah, there will be more. There will be more for me to do very soon. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So about my week, I was really busy again to do to make videos and to do some research. Probably you've watched my video. I was doing some test series about the HP Reverb G2 since there were so many different kinds of reports. Like lots of people don't have any problem with the sweet spot and think it's totally fine. Like I didn't have any problems with the sweet spot, right? And then there were lots of people who complained about it, like very vocally everywhere they could comment. <laughs> and they they didn't like the sweet spot at all. And so lots of different accounts. And at one point people were thinking like probably it is because there are different um, lenses out there because we do have this kind of problem that with the Quest 2 there seem to be two different manufacturers and if you get the lenses from this manufacturer then you have lots of then you have lots of god rays and if you're lucky and you, you get the better lenses then you don't have the problem so that's what i wanted to find out so i was asking the german community can you send me your hp reverb g2s if you're unhappy about the lenses and i got like 12 hp reverb g2s i could have started wow. a g2 shop here <laughs> and um, yeah so i had lots of G g2s here at the mrtv headquarters i checked them all out i uh, compared them with each other so I was so busy doing that and yeah the result came out um, yesterday and in the end it turned out that all the HP Reverb G2s are exactly the same all the lenses are exactly the same um, the, the sweet spots <laughs> the edge to edge clarity everything is exactly the same so HP actually did a good job there with the, with the quality assurance and in the end it really depends on your head shape and where your eyes are as compared to the to the lenses and also your IPD. Does it fit for this headset or no? So I hope that this kind of study could give people peace of mind who are wondering, oh, why is the sweet spot not so great? Yeah, well, it's uh, it really depends on each person, how, what kind of headsets were they using before, probably headsets with a better sweet spot and now going to the G2, not feeling it anymore or having it a worse experience and yeah so people at least can now have the good feeling that they don't have a bad model so mm. at least at least that's good and yeah there was actually that's there was lots of work that i put into into that research and then i also yeah i made some videos about the bug or vision <laughs> i call it bug mm -hmm. vision now the samsung headset and also about the panasonic thing and also i played on my german channel i streamed Doom 3. And yeah, we're going to talk about Doom 3 in a moment. Yeah, so that was my week. Great. So for all the people who are wondering, who is it, where's uh, the fourth person? <laughs> so Steve, VR flight sim guy, he couldn't make it today and he will join us uh, for another show in the future. So Steve, if you are listening to this, hello, greetings from here. And we're, we're going to have you on another show. Also, Gary, Gary, we had Gary on the first show. Gary from VR Roundtable, he's going to be back next week. So it's going to be 
good to have him back. All right. So now let's talk about something. How about we start uh, talking about Doom. Doom 3. So Doom 3 is now playable on the Quest and Quest 2. And let me simply run the trailer here so people can have a look at it. Yes. So if you want, you can play Doom now. Doom 3, a two, uh, quite old game from 2004, I think, on the Quest and Quest 2. And the way that you do it, you have to buy the game on Steam. It costs like $5. And there's two versions on it, the, the normal version and the BFG version. Get the normal version for $5. Then you have to use SideQuest. And then with SideQuest, you copy, copy it onto your Quest together with the files that you had to copy uh, into the, into the SideQuest folder, something like this. But I'm going to make a, a tutorial about this very soon. Yeah, and then you can play Doom 3 on the Quest 2 and the Quest 1. Very cool, very cool, I think. So, um, Tony, did you play that game? No, I didn't. I wanted to. Actually, on Thursday, I think it was Thursday, I like I had heard about the Doom 3 thing, and I was like, okay, you know what? F it. I'm going to play Doom 3 on the quest today. And I started like going through the process of trying to do it, and then I found out, because I have Doom 3 BFG. That's the one that right. I have. And I found out that that one doesn't work, and then I was just like, eh, F it. I got lazy and just... I, I should have paid the $5, because it does look cool. And I played the game um, Doom 3 BFG, the VR mod. I played that a lot in 2016 in the early years of VR. And that game is, it's still a great game, even though it is so old. It's 2004 and all that, but the graphics, the smoke, it's like its like you're in an alien movie, you know? You're Like the smoke coming out of the pipes. And the creatures can be incredibly scary, even though... The graphics are a little bit older, so I could see how it'd be really good on the Quest. Right. Tatiana, is that something for you, this kind of game? <laughs> I doubt it, <laughs> but I'm extremely curious to, to see how it would work. And since Sebastian, you already played it, I'm curious, how, how did the port work in your opinion? How were the controllers? Did you actually manage to use the touch controllers from Oculus Quest 2? Oh, yes. So I, I did play it. Let me turn down the volume a bit here on this. So, yeah, I played it. I didn't play um, Doom 3 when it came out in 2004 for some reason, but now I played it for the first time on the Quest 2, and I was honestly amazed. I thought it's so cool to play this game. And yes, the game, if, if, it was now, if you played it now on your PC, it would look a bit outdated, but honestly, on the Quest... Yeah, that is basically how the games look on the Quest, right? It's It looks like a, a good Quest game. Actually, it is really beautiful, and uh, it can be really scary. So I didn't actually know that the game was like this scary and uh, like like last like last last week we t we talked about it right that i'm not uh, the the horror game guy i don't like it because the immersion is too big and i feel scared <laughs> i'm honestly feel scared so i didn't know what i was going in there i was still thinking about um doom vfr which was not so spooky right it was like a cool action game on uh, yeah on on 
on the PSVR, for example. So I was going into that thinking like, okay, cool, that's just going to be another Doom where you just have to shoot all all those ghosts, but it's not going to be scary. But then they needed me to go to the underground <laughs> directly in the first level. <laughs> and um, yeah, there was, honestly speaking, sometimes a bit scary. You have to walk through this through the dark undergrounds and um, they will scare you. They are out there to get you, to scare you with, with like some interesting uh, jump scares sometimes also. And I was like shouting, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so. there is even yeah. You commented on the graphics, and I can even see in the comments someone saying that you can even install the mod. To, exactly, to the high res even that Exactly. So if you yeah. think it's good now, it can be even better. That's pretty amazing, and I totally understand the scare. I knew what Doom Three was about. I'm like, yeah. nope. This, but this is great. It's I so I cool. Think that it's a great trend that's happening right now. More and more games, older games are being ported to VR. I know we talked a little bit about it last time about Hitman, right? right. Anthony, we were talking about the other Hitman games were being ported to VR. And I think this is um, it, it's a very interesting trend for us to go on this memory trip, right. to go back to the games that we maybe grew up with, something that it has a very a great sentimental value to us. When I think You're about right. it, I, I remember Morrowind, you know, the Elder Scrolls Three. The, the I grew up with that game, and it has a very, uh, you know, emotional kind of uh, memories for me associated Absolutely. with that. And I think, you know, I think it was in November that they came, they came with the port for VR, and it's truly amazing to just be immersed in that world, seeing see it from a different angle. Now I don't know how many of you would want to be immersed so much in the world of doom but but a lot I think, of people might i think oh, a lot quite a lot of people yeah. Yeah. That was <laughs> a, lot a of, dream a lot of us think like yes that is a good thing to be in doom and honestly <laughs> honestly um i really really enjoyed it and i was like very surprised how well the game worked in virtual reality because this game obviously was not made for vr at all right it's just a, a 2d game i mean of course it's 3d it's a 3d game it's a first person shooter but they didn't think about virtual reality at all and i think the the team beef the team who who ported this to 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 the quest they have done an amazing job right because well, uh, you have some consoles there, you have some screens, and in the game you would probably just interact with these um, screens by, by touching uh, the space bar or what. But here you can, you can use your Oculus Touch controller and touch the screen and interact with the screen. So it was so well done. And you're just walking around just as you would expect with your controller. You, you, you see your hands, you interact. The shooting works absolutely absolutely great just how you expect it to work just how we're used to have it work in a in a in a vr game so wow really yeah. really cool i'm i'm so excited about this because well okay this costs five dollars yeah it costs yeah. five dollars yeah. and you, you have like hours and hours of gameplay this is this is easily i don't know like like 15 hours or what this is this is not like a short vr game this is like a fully fledged game where people paid top dollar in 2004 to play it and to enjoy it and now to have it in vr looking great like wow i think it's just so amazing to be able to play this for five dollars and i can just tell everyone out there with a quest and a quest 2 and who likes to sideload things go and get quest uh, go and get doom 3 yeah, and I Isn't think it's it awesome. weird. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Yeah, well, sorry. <laughs> Just want to say we, we can probably expect more amazing things from Dr. Beef team because didn't they also port other great Absolutely. titles like Wolfenstein, Half-Life, Other Doom. So, so they, they are a great team to work on projects like that. And I'm yeah. just looking forward to see what else they will come up with in the future. I love it. I really isn't love it, it. Isn't it weird, though, that like Zinimax and Bethesda, like they own like all these properties, right? And look at how well this game is doing on the quest as a side quest thing. It could be an official quest game for 19.99, and tons people of would people buy would be it. buying it. Sure, you're yeah. right. Wow, um, they're leaving so much money on the table. Yeah, yeah, we would take it. A lot of money. Anthony and I would take the money. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. heard it argued. I've heard it argued actually that like Zenimax, like I've I've asked this question before. Like, why don't they've got Doom? They've got Quake. They've got all these classic games that have been modded for VR already. They own the rights to it. They could easily have it on there and be making money off it. And I I, I posed this question, and a lot of people said they're waiting for VR to be way bigger. They don't want to cash that chip now because if they wait till VR is a much bigger thing and, and millions of more people are in VR, then when they do it officially, a lot of people will buy that official version and they can only tap that market so many times. Could be. They might not have to wait so long. <laughs> right, exactly. But for, for ZeniMax, they had this big problem with Oculus, right, where they had... The big lawsuits and they are not on the, the most friendly terms probably this might be a reason too why they don't want to be on the platform i don't know that's true that's true right? yeah they did have that beef they did have they, that they beef. did that's why team beef or dr beef is not doing <laughs> so they might be waiting for other companies to perhaps, step up with perhaps. their uh, product it that could, could be, be. A fair competition but i must but say honestly honestly if i can play the same game for five dollars simply have to sideload it i'm all up for it Right, so we can play this game now on the Quest and on the Quest 2. And yeah, do it. Really, really absolutely do it. I feel very happy that I tried it and I will play more of that. So Doom 3, <laughs> Doom 3, get it. Yeah, so Anthony, I would say go and pay the $5. It's worth it. If you look, <laughs> if you, bullet. if you're looking, yeah, yeah, bite the bullet if you're looking <laughs> for something. But Anthony... I have found out, because you told me, that you have played something else. And I wanted to play it, but I didn't play it yet. And we're talking about Battlescar. Tell us a bit more about Battlescar. Yeah, so first I just want to say, regarding non-games, like experiences and stuff, I think a lot of people underrate that aspect of virtual reality. And I think it... There's some of the most incredible creative stuff is in the experiential realm. A lot of it is very short. It doesn't last very long and it doesn't have like much of a replay value. So a lot of people kind of uh, don't look at it too much. But I think people are missing out because there's just a lot of great stuff that's out there. And so I like the different experiences that come out. I wanted to check this one out. And um, it's it's interesting. It kind of gives you like this 1978 version of New York and it's all about punk rock and the developer of of the experience is Atlas 5 they've done some incredible stuff already they worked on like spheres and a whole bunch of other uh really good experiences they also worked on gloomy eyes with the uh, other company 3D AR in a collaboration and um 
There's some spooky door thing going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Somebody came into the room and was trying to look for something. Um, but basically, the experience itself, it, it lasts about 30 minutes. There's no real interactivity. It's just kind of taking you through a story. And what it does nice from a, a technological standpoint is it'll have these little miniature dioramas that are like right here in front of your face. And so you're looking at it and you're looking at the little characters run around. But then what it does is a couple of seconds after it's doing that, it like puts the whole and then boom, now you're physically in the place and you're seeing the characters full size and they're they're like doing whatever they're doing and then it'll have different music playing and words are like showing up really large 3D within the in your in your view so they do some nice creative things it's very artistic um and it goes for this this punk 1978 vibe they capture that pretty well i got to be 100% honest though Honestly, I think there's better experiences out there. I was mildly disappointed with this, to be totally honest. I just got to be straight up about it. It features the voice of Rosario Dawson. I think she did a good job. Uh, all the characters did a good job. But ultimately, I just don't... Uh, ultimately, I just think it fell kind of flat, which is unusual because if you look around the internet, a lot of people are like ranting and raving about Yeah, this Upload VR is like loving it, right? Like they say it's like excellent, like the, their highest, um, the highest thing that you can get at Upload VR. So, um, but Anthony, um, tell us a bit more. Like it's, it's like a VR movie. So you're sitting back and then you're watching um, the story unfold or you are one of the protagonists. Uh, tell us a bit yeah, more no. to understand it. What is it? What is yeah. Battlescar? It's, It's non-interactive. It's a VR movie. So you're, you're just watching it unfold in front of you. You're watching this story unfold. It's about two runaway girls. They're like 16, 17 years old. And they, you know, they have their own personal struggles that are happening in their lives. It's kind of a tragic story. And at a certain point, it even gets into like heroin. And so it, it takes on some of these adult issues in this like underground punk scene of 1978 New York. I think the idea behind it, like I saw the screenshots and like some of the trailers and everything like that. I was like, oh, this looks really cool. I, I think I could really vibe out with this this interesting vibe, a completely different kind of a feel. And it's good. It's not awful. It's not horrible by any stretch of the imagination. I just think if you're going to spend money on an experience and you haven't, you haven't bought much experiences so far and you're looking to buy an experience, I would say Wolves in the Walls is probably a better option. I would say Spheres is a better option. I think there's Gloomy Eyes. Gloomy Eyes which this company also worked on Gloomy Eyes. I would recommend Gloomy Eyes way more than I would recommend this. It's not bad. It's cool. And we need to have more experiments in this field. Like nobody knows what they're doing in this field in terms of artistic stuff like this. Everybody's experimenting. And the more experimentation we get, the better. So I, I'm, I'm glad with that. But Ultimately, I rate it as a eh, okay. <laughs> okay, but it's not yeah. so expensive, right? I think it's just like yeah, what, it's, six dollars. 
Six bucks, yeah. Six yeah. bucks. Buy Doom. Buy Doom instead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to agree with Anthony. I think that VR experiences are very underappreciated in all the VR content that we can get. Maybe it is because of the much lower interactivity that they offer. So the other ones that you watched, uh, Anthony, were they also not interactive? And it was more like you were inside the movie where you can walk, uh, look around. Because I think I watched one and it was not interactive, but you were like placed inside there, inside the world, looking at the events unfold. <laughs> uh, but maybe that was the, the reason why it's not getting that much attention. I've also watched some videos where just the things unfold around me. <laughs> I mean, in VR. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> going back to the experiences, but yeah, what, what you say there, I mean, yeah, some of them have interactivity and that's cool. And some of them have no interactivity and they're still great. Gloomy Eyes has no interactivity whatsoever, as far as I could tell, but that was so 3D and so crystal clear. Like when I saw Gloomy Eyes, I was like, oh my God, they need to do this with the Nightmare Before Christmas. This looks like the Nightmare Before Christmas. Imagine I could watch the entire movie of Nightmare Before Christmas in this kind of mode. This would be like a video revolution. This is the future of animation. It's incredible. I love Gloomy Eyes, and, and that's, that's an example totally non-interactive. So Gloomy Eyes, where is it? Where can you get it? And Is it uh, free or... No, it's like eight. I think it might be like eight bucks. It's one of the more expensive ones. And it's on all the platforms. It's on Quest. Yeah. It's on Steam, I believe. Oculus Rift Store. Yeah, okay. Savage Hamster says Gloomy was okay free on Viveport. So probably yeah, free on Viveport. Perfect. Vive I'm going to check that out and later. That made, me, that made me remember about one more experience that just came out called Baba Yaga, which is, yeah. it, I caught my eye because it's like a Slavic folklore. And this is, the um comes back from kind of like a boogeyman right this witch and there's uh. a story about this little girl but when i read the description it actually said that uh this main character the choices are determining the end of the story and uh so it made me believe that there might be some interaction there maybe maybe someone has played it maybe we will read something about it in the comments but but it's really directed uh, it, like a movie and there are some famous stars voice, doing the voiceover like for example Kate Winslet is voicing the Baba Yaga okay, cool. <laughs> that alone is enough for me to try it because I right. think this is a great so I will definitely be trying it out and Baba Yaga is it uh, for free or is it um, paid a paid app it's, I think it's like five dollars the last time I checked it um, yeah uh, it's like it's also. six bucks I think it's the same price as um, Battlescar okay mm -hmm. Yeah, in general, I think we should support all these content creators doing these interesting um, movies on in VR simply to encourage them to try out more things, to try out more interesting things, right? And I mean, five or six dollars is not so expensive. So yeah, why not support it as a VR enthusiast? So I'm totally going to check out this Battle Scar. Yeah, just to find out what it's all about. And, yeah, it's uh, worth checking it's, it's out. Worth it's checking worth out, right? checking out, right? Okay. Great. And Gloomy Eyes, I will now also check out. Gloomy Eyes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so the people who watch this podcast or who listen to it, now they already got some new stuff to check out. Thanks to watching or listening to this podcast. So Gloomy Eyes, I will check it out, of course, and Battlescar as well. Cool. Yeah, very nice. So um, now I think we have talked about like the interesting 
software. Now let's get more to hardware because, well, it is CES 2021 time and yeah, some interesting hardware came out. Unfortunately, this time only a digital um, convention, not really being able to go there. I was there last year and I loved to be in Las Vegas. It was my second time in Las Vegas and I really enjoy the city a lot. It's uh, just, yeah, I like, I like to be there. Tatiana, have you been in Las Vegas? I have not. No, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> you you, you want to go? Uh, yeah, one day I would go, but I don't, really don't think that this is the best place to be at right now during yeah, everything is of going course, on. But no. yeah, I, I would love to go there. Yeah, it's, it's fun. on my list. It's really Actually, fun. I had the, yeah, I had some plans that were canceled at some point. So okay. it's definitely... Got to check that. <laughs> yeah, right. Have to check that box. Um, Anthony, what are your thoughts about Las Vegas? <laughs> Just want to know. Las Vegas in general? Yeah, in, in general, general. In general, yeah. Oh, it's it's a it's a really it's like an adult um, playground basically yeah. is what it is. But the thing is, gambling. Here's the thing. My tip for people: like, if you're going to Vegas, you can go to Vegas and have a ton of entertainment and see a lot of interesting, weird, crazy stuff, and you don't have to gamble at all. And that's my recommendation because you're going to lose. You gamble, you're you just will lose. giving money away right. by buckets. You're yeah, right. So exactly. Just don't do it. Yeah. Exactly. Like those. But isn't that like a must thing? Isn't yeah, that what course. the stigma is? If you go to, how can you go ever go to Las Vegas and not gamble there? Sure. Isn't it like a you must? Should, well, just leave it to just one, bit. one gambling session and then get it out of your right. system. And, and those limited. Yeah, yes, yeah, just limited exactly, just money. some exactly. I think those machines, those slot machines, they are just eating your money. It's just like crazy how people put their money inside. They're just eating the money, and yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that's not the topic for this podcast. So let's talk about something that came out of this. So let's have a look at at some hardware here, and let me show that to our viewers. This here. This is also the thumbnail of my video that I made about it. It's a young Kim Jong-un who's wearing who's wearing these Panasonic glasses. And these are the Panasonic VR viewer glasses. And Panasonic has showed them already on last year's CES. But last year, these glasses were really only viewers with three degrees of freedom where you could peek into virtual reality you could look around, left, right, up and down and rotate, but it didn't have six degrees of freedom where you could lean in and, well, six degrees of freedom is definitely where VR is at, right? Like for a long time now, like three degrees of freedom is bad <laughs> as compared to six degrees of freedom, right? So these glasses now that you can see here, these glasses have six degrees of freedom and they have like uh, two cameras built in on the left and right here. And with these cameras, the six degrees of freedom tracking is being accomplished. And those very cool steampunk style glasses, they have a very high resolution, 2,560 times 2,560 pixels per eye. That is more than the Reverb G2. Yeah, so really good, really good resolution. <laughs> this is, um, this is um, uh, micro OLED technology, so we should have like great blacks, like real blacks, black as in no light and very vibrant colors. It has 120 Hertz as refresh rate, also more than the Re Reverb G2. 
And in general, I think the, these look very interesting. Also, these headsets, this headset is um, powered by either a, a gaming PC, so it's fully Steam VR compatible, which is cool. So you can check out uh, your big screen or whatever, um, yeah, whatever Steam VR experience you want to check out. And if you are on the go, you can connect this to a 5G Android phone and probably watch Netflix or any kind of video that you have on your phone on the go. So, very interesting. I want to ask you, what do you think about that? Which one? <laughs> uh, no, whoever wants to talk yeah. first. <laughs> I was just about to kind of comment that it's it's probably not a standalone VR set, right? No. So it's still going to have to be connected. But right. but I did find it extremely interesting that it can be connected to a smartphone because you can still take advantage of it. Like I've seen many people are actually trying to use their standalone VR sets like when they're on a plane and they're just right. like wearing it and watching watching movies or playing something, some something that they can uh, play while sitting down. So with this one, this will have that, opportunity too you're connecting it to your phone you can actually connect to netflix and watch a movie on a big screen exactly you don't need a laptop so overall i i think it's a very curious like sort of a steampunk looking uh glasses i'm i'm always you know impressed with the design choices they make because we don't we're not going to be seeing ourselves wearing them but they but they care deeply about how they look from the design perspective i find it very very interesting and also these are Actually, the, probably the most similar to a traditional definition of glasses rather than goggles. So they're really targeting that comfort, something that would make it much easier to put on and take off and less bulky and more portable. So overall, I really think it is, is a very interesting technology. Right. And what, what do you think, Anthony? Yeah, so what appears to be happening towards the future of VR is we have kind of a split that's going on where there's going to be highly targeted gaming headsets and then there's going to be VR viewers for people that don't necessarily want to be moving around and doing all that stuff. You got to know that there's people that are... They love to sit on their sofa. They like to get nice and snuggy in their little chair, and they don't want to move around a lot. But we still want to give those people eventually some really incredible high-end VR experiences with very low-weight glasses that aren't going to wear on their on their face at all or get them all hot and sweaty. And they can enjoy stuff like gloomy eyes and stuff like that, and it can look incredible. Uh, these things are using pancake optics, High dynamic range is supported. Remember, Valve wanted to have high dynamic range supported on the Valve Index. They had to like scrap that towards the very end, but these apparently support that. Now, the big downside here, they also strengthened the uh, the the grips on the right. side. So this version will hold on to your head a little bit better. There's a diopter adjustment. If you have nearsightedness, that'll help out as well. Um, and six dop is... Six stop is necessary, even if somebody is just sitting on their sofa. I've given an Oculus Go to somebody just sitting down in a chair, and if they end up moving around in their seat a little too much in one direction or another, it kind of like discombobulates them. It's not a good idea. So even if you're not going to be moving around very much, you still want to have that six stop tracking. So I think that's good. Um, the problem with this, though, is like affordability. It's going to take a long time before we can just buy one of these and they're they're like affordable like a quest would be affordable and then also there's a 70 
degree field of view. And that's probably that, the big downer right there. Right. But these 70 degrees field of view, they are actually only guesstimated by road to VR. So yeah. so it's not Panasonic who said like, okay, this is this is 70 degrees field of view. And yeah, I have the, this here. This is this is the Huawei Glass. It's also like a small form factor VR headset, probably very comparable to to this one. And yes, the field of view is smaller than than our Quest, right? Uh, I would say this is probably yeah, probably 75 to 80 degrees um, horizontally. So it is smaller, but it's it's still it's still quite interesting. Oops, it's still quite interesting to to play your Steam VR games because uh, the the quality of the picture is surprisingly good with this here, and and this has like one thousand six hundred times one thousand six hundred pixels per eye, right? But this here, two thousand five hundred sixty times two thousand five hundred sixty pixels per eye is incredible and then with an OLED display so I can just imagine that even though you only have like I don't know 70 or 80 degrees it will be good enough to show a huge virtual screen a beautiful virtual screen where you can perfectly watch your yeah watch your your movies on right so I I don't think this is going to be the headset for people who want to play Half-Life Alex because okay we don't we haven't heard about anything about about controllers probably they have some hand tracking or what we don't know but I also think this is more of a of a device for consuming content for consuming any kind of 3D movies. On the airplane, on the on airplane, airplane right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, on the airplane, for example. And for that, this is going to be really huge. So I was just interviewing the general manager of HTC of the EMEA region, and he said, Mr. Wheeler said, that 2021 is going to be the big year for two-in-one headsets. And what does he mean with two-in-one? He means like not standalone headsets, but headsets that are being connected to a second device. And most probably talking about a 5G smartphone, they would just stream the content to the headset. Or it doesn't even have to be 5G. It could be probably the content that is on the phone. And that makes so much sense, right? So because all of the processing power, it doesn't need to be in the headset. We are all like carrying that smartphone with us. And in the smartphones, we have like this very, very powerful chipsets, right? So why not simply make use of it? And <laughs> HTC says it's like, a, it's like, it's going to be like the big trend of this year. Anthony, Can I argue believe with it. that? Yeah, though? please, please oh. do. <laughs> okay, so the problem with that idea, it's a great idea in concept. It really is. We all have these like really high-end phones with with really good Snapdragons inside them and all that stuff. You know, why not take advantage of it? It's right there. The problem is it completely drains your battery. Like if you're doing great, like a legit yeah. VR experience, it's going to kill your phone's battery. And the problem with that is not so much us hardcore VR enthusiasts, but average Joe Blows, they're gonna choose their phone over VR. They want the battery on their phone. And so that's why I think long-term thinking like this is short-sighted. Um, standalone is the future. Don't try to fight. Now, that's a whole other <laughs> argument, but I don't know. I just, I think the real world penetration of this type of thing is gonna be lessened because of how it kills your phone's battery. Now, when we get to a day where phones have way better batteries that last way longer, then maybe that will alleviate this problem. 
Right. But isn't it the same issue that we are currently experiencing with all the standalone VR sets, like Quest, for example? I mean, you don't see any hardcore uh, VR users who, who have Quest that don't have a battery pack. So Agreed. you can't really play any longer than two hours on Quest 2 currently, and you need to have a battery pack. So why not uh, just assume that it is possible to have, I don't know, dual <sighs> battery pack or dual pack where you have both your phone and your battery on the back of your head, like you currently have just the, the battery packs. And that's how you're going to power your uh, uh, all-in-two VR glasses. Exactly, Anthony. Awesome. That's it. What do you say now? I say <laughs> maybe we can wear solar-powered garments. I like it. I like it. Connect it with a USB-C plug and power all of our, you know, just walk around in the sun all day and we can power everything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Let's let's get this government going. But in general, I, I also agree with Tatiana. I think, yes, um, why not just get a battery pack and then solve this problem like this? So probably you can simply connect your battery pack with the glasses or with your phone via some kind of uh, Y adapter or something, something to make it happen. I think it should be possible. And um, yeah, that, that should be interesting. Yeah. If the technology got uh, this far, maybe yeah. they can figure out the battery. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Hopefully, hopefully. Probably maybe Tesla, Tesla can get involved. They can <laughs> yeah, well, out the battery. They, 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 know, they know their battery stuff, exactly. Yeah, so this is going to be interesting. The VR viewer and also other devices that we're probably going to see this year, like Pico is also working on this kind of very nice form factor VR headset. And Anthony, you said before that, hey, this is probably going to be very expensive. Okay, this, this particular device, perhaps yes, but actually these other devices like the Pico viewer or this, this Huawei glass, they are actually not so expensive and they are more in the $300, $400 area. And, you know, what is possible here, I see this huge opportunity for these headsets to drive 5G. You know, the, the big telcos, they want to sell their 5G plans, right? And uh, right at the moment, like, okay, there is, no, there is no huge incentive for me to change from 4G to 5G. My 4G LTE plan is good enough. Right, I I can do everything I want to do with it. I watch my videos, I I do my I do my uh, my video calls with my phone. Everything works fine. So I don't really have an incentive to go for 5G. But for telcos to say, hey, you know what? If you go for a 5G plan, we're going to subsidize a VR headset like this. And then you can watch your NBA game or your, your football game in 3D with those glasses and a 5G connection. I think that is really exciting. And then this could go mainstream really fast, giving people like this kind of um, headset for, I don't know, $99. And uh, you have your, I don't know, $30 plan per month. And you can watch uh, one game of NBA or whatever sports you like in VR as if you were in the stadium. Isn't it freaking amazing? Yeah, I think it's great for somebody that travels a lot for sure because if you're traveling all the time, you could use it and and then also like even in your hotel room and stuff, your, your experience in that headset might be better than whatever 
little TV they give you in exactly. your hotel room. So exactly. uh, I think it would be great for people like that. I still think this 5G dream of like volumetric video, you know, of watching the NBA game in 3D and all of that. I still think we've got a long way to go in that department. And I think a lot really? of these telecos, they're selling the 5G dream. But I think the 5G dream is still like three more years into the future. But I'm kind of the, a Debbie Downer on the whole 5G <laughs> thing a little bit. Yeah. I'm not sure about the 5G, but speaking of what you just said with the traveling, I mean, obviously there's so many ways you can use it. But outside of that, no, it's also used with like in the medical field when they are using it as a distraction for like cancer patients yeah. to help them get through the medication, for cancer or, you know, both with adults and with kids just to help them get through this easier and i think that's that's also my amazing thing okay right yeah so panasonic um vr viewer very very interesting so now let's um, just for a moment talk about some other things that are happening at that happened at ces and i just want to get um want to show you this road to vr article which is amazing which is really good so what it's, so read this article from road to vr it's about the rokit vision 2 ar headset with waveguide optics so ar is also of course a big topic it's it has still no, absolutely not penetrated the mainstream at all like zero 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 dot zero um, but it's an interesting it's an interesting technology for enterprise and for yeah actually for work for getting work done and for getting work done in a in a in a, in a good way and Rokit which is a Chinese company they have revealed this Vision 2 AR headset and what we can see here the form factor of this the form factor is really incredible so um, if you compare this for example to the Hololens 2 or to the Magic Leap, this is just super small. And interestingly, this has the same kind of um, display technology that the HoloLens has, but in a way better form factor. <coughs> so that is interesting. And we can tell also that for AR, yeah, it's simply going into the right direction with headsets being smaller and smaller. So... That's something interesting. It has absolutely still not yet reached us <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as a mainstream user, but it's something that is going to happen eventually. Would you agree mm -hmm. with that, Anthony and Tatiana? Yeah, um, I mean, certainly we're excited for the future of AR. And, and this is Waveguide, which is, which is better than the, uh, the birdbath idea. So this is a little bit more high-end. Like the AR displays that use Waveguide have better capabilities ultimately but one thing i was looking at in here is that it says it's going to be used in sectors such as cultural tourism exhibitions museums and the medical and health industry and mm. what that tells me is expensive these things are gonna <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's just gonna take a while before we have a mainstream ar product that can really try to be like a big mainstream product. We haven't had that yet. We thought in real might be that they haven't, they launched kind of in South Korea a little bit, but um, it hasn't really been that either. So it's just AR is like a number of years behind VR. That's where we're at. That's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. Just uh, to, yeah. yeah, just to sort of, Oh, sorry. You wanted to, no, no, you can go, you can that. go. 
I just wanted to continue with the topic of these portable VR AR devices because there have been quite a few AR glasses introduced uh, uh, at the CES. And I mean, there were Lenovo Think Reality, there were Vuzix, Creole, Nolo, X1, and, and all of them, they design-wise, they were kind of looking like standard glasses. So they were really going for this subtle look that would be almost indistinguishable from regular glasses, except for the little cameras that you would find in the frame. And I think it's amazing because the, they are all uh, focused more on the modifying and completely changing the, the way the work is done, our workplace, where you can uh, create customized, like expandable workspaces and multiple screens, which is something that Oculus has tried to do, is trying to do with the infinite office. But I still think that with a workplace, AR is a little bit at a, at a little bit better place in terms of changing the way our work is being done. So it, it kind of made me think with so many different ones, including Panasonic being more and more similar to glasses and goggles. I'm kind of wondering if it, like companies like Oculus or Facebook or HTC and others maybe will try to catch up and develop their own versions of portable devices that would be more in the direction of AR rather than VR. They will. They will. Actually, Facebook is working together with Ray-Ban, and they're going to come out with with an AR headset actually in this year, in the end of this year. So it is happening. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And that makes so much sense because I've said it quite quite some times on my channel. I believe that AR is going to be so huge. It's going to be bigger than VR. VR is amazing and we love it, right? Playing our games. But AR is going to be the real big thing because it is going to replace our phones. We're going to wear these things and we're going to have this superpower where whenever we go out, we, we see something automatically. We see some kind of, uh, yeah, some information about the stuff that we see. And when we see a, a car, we look at the car and we directly say, hey, this is the Tesla Model Y. Do you want to buy it? Click here. <laughs> Click into the air. Yeah, it's going to be like this. It's going to be huge. And the big battle for the future is going to be which company owns the AR layer that you're using in the world because that is going to be the big question. Not like, oh, which kind of search engine are you using in your browser? The question is going to be which AR layer are you going to use in the real world because that's where... That's where the advertisements are going to be sold. If you go out and you see that Tesla and you're wearing the Facebook um, AR layer and you see the Facebook AR layer, then, of course, all the ad money is going to go to Facebook. But if you if you are looking through the Apple layer, then Apple is going to get that ad money. So it's going to be the biggest war for the future is going to be who owns the AR layer of the world. And that's why now we're going to see that Facebook AR headset coming out in this year and Apple and Google, they have to catch up. They have to come out with a headset so that Facebook is not going to have this advantage that they have now on VR. So it's going to be, in my opinion, this is the big tech battle of the future. Who owns the AR layer that's on top of the world and which AR layer are you going to use? And Who well, do you think is going to win if you had to bet right now, if you had to pick a horse? Okay, that's a good question. Well, I think that um, it's going to be between Apple and Facebook right now 
Because Facebook, they are obviously they are invested in it. They also understand that the big ad money is going to come from the AR layer that's on top of the world. But Apple also knows that, right? That's why they do um, they, their AR um, technology in the phones, right? So they also know it, and we know that they're going to come out with an AR headset. So I believe the first big battle is going to be between Facebook and between Apple. Facebook versus Apple. So that is going to be very exciting. I think Apple does have a little edge because, um, yeah, um, they they don't have this the these bad um, reputation as far as privacy is concerned. Yeah, right? I was just now thinking about that. That it does look like Facebook is so powerful right now, but this reputation thing—I mean, it doesn't seem like a big deal now because they're dominating the R market so much. Yeah, there's no. But later on, right as yeah, but as Apple Apple catches up and it will catch up, I think that that will be a huge disadvantage for them. Everything that's happening I think so. now. I think so. I mean, these AR headsets in, for the future, they will for sure have those cameras, right? And people running around with that Facebook cameras, oh, I think I think that's going to be an issue for people. But for Apple, oh, it's going yeah. to be a bit different, I think. You know, it's going to be an interesting future dystopian scenario that might only be like 10 years away. Okay, so there's these websites called uh, Ben Verified, where you can put someone's name in and it'll check and see if they have any criminal background, like who they work for, how much <laughs> money they make, all that stuff like that, right? So you're going to be at the bar at a club or something wearing one of these AR glasses and everybody's going to have a little indicator over their head. Yeah. And it's going to be like, red indicator, this is a former felon, you know? Right. Well, 911? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, no. Yes, yes. Oh, I think that's going to happen. Some it's coming. It's, it's a coming. Black Mirror episode, but it's coming to reality as well. It's coming to us for sure. It's so interesting, and for sure we're going to follow it here on the Next Dimension podcast because this is not <laughs> this is podcast is not only about VR. I yeah. know, we gotta keep them accountable for all these things. We oh, are yeah. we are the ones that need yeah, to keep exactly. them accountable. We the people, <laughs> we have to <laughs> keep them accountable. So that's that's really interesting. Um, yeah, right. So lots of AR headsets also at CES from all these manufacturers. So at the moment, still not really um, consumer-faced, right? At the moment, still facing more enterprise. But once Apple steps in the scene, that's going to happen. There's going to be more for us consumers. And also this year, Facebook is going to come out with that Ray-Ban um, um, glasses, which seem to be smart. Let's find out about those. Very interesting. Super exciting. This year is going to be very exciting. All right. Cool. So other than that, not many exciting things coming out of CES. We didn't, we didn't hear of that new HTC headset that they were like um, telling us about, that there's going to be a big revolution or so. We didn't hear from the Quest 3 yet. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, yeah, not so many exciting things coming out. Or is there anything January. else? Well, January isn't over yet, though. So right. HTC still has a few days in January. They love January. So right. maybe, in, maybe another week. That would be cool. Yeah, well, but but there was, I think there was an interesting uh, one introduction in the world of VRs, the haptic glove by Nova, Sense Glove Nova, which is okay. something that has already been introduced last year, but they were, they kind of looked extremely bulky and they were wired. So there's always the same issues we have with wired devices, but this new glove, it's a wireless version and it looks much more sleek and more, I don't know, more like a, more finished product than something that we have seen last year okay. and i think that it's very exciting because 
you can actually feel the density of the different like, shapes and materials in VR, whether it's like a, a tin, like a can or a bottle, yeah. or whether it's something like a rubber ball. I mean, imagine all the possibilities that you can uh, incorporate that in gaming and in other applications that, you know, the, this is something that certainly needs to be explored. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so exciting to have forced feedback and to be able to touch things in virtual reality Absolutely the future. At the moment, still a bit expensive for us mainstream people, right? Yeah, not finished. <laughs> not, yeah, but um, it's definitely coming. And yeah, very, very much looking forward to that. Yeah, cool. So now let's talk about the next exciting topic. And that topic is the Samsung VR headset that we've heard about last year already since uh, we, we saw some, some pictures um, from a Chinese patent office but now uh, another patent was granted to samsung and this time it's um, coming from the world intellectual property office and that was in the hark so it's it's still hot it's still um, um samsung is still working on on getting those patents and well it's a very interesting kind of headset so actually Actually, it's it's two two kind of different designs. One is the one with some kind of bug eye, yeah, which looks like like bee eyes, and the other one is more uh, yeah more normal. I would say. Let me let me just uh, find the pictures of the more normal one. This is the more normal one. Actually, before I was thinking, hey, this is probably one and the same, but actually no, these are two different kinds of designs, and I believe. The one that is more normal has bigger chances to to come out. I really, I was really like 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 shocked by that B design. I mean, it's already like funny wearing a VR headset, right? But then being <laughs> like a B <laughs> when you wear that, it's it's kind of strange, right? What do you guys yeah, think? There, well, there is certainly a chance that they got a lot of backslash from that design because I can see pe people for whom that that would be just a little bit, it seems a bit more too radical as a VR design. I think just wearing VR is already like futuristic enough. We don't need to look like a giant bee. <laughs> and right. It's possible that it's a, the second design is a reaction to, to some of the feedback they received. However, we, we really don't have enough information to claim that the second one is the improved or redesigned version of the first one because they still own both of the patents. So I guess if they really want, they could go through with both of them we don't really know. We don't even know if the second one will, you know, they will not come up with a third one. It will be completely different. A combination could be, of a B could and a regular be. one. We don't know. Could be. So so that is really interesting. Um, actually, Samsung, they have um, launched two headsets, the Samsung Odyssey in 2017 and then the Samsung Odyssey Plus in 2018. And both really nice headsets with OLED displays, with quite a huge FOV, and they were all Windows Mixed Reality headsets with this Windows Mixed Reality tracking with only two cameras. So now, actually, on the B model, we see that we have like, like four kind of holes for cameras, but it would be strange to have those cameras beyond that orange translucent kind of, um, how would I say, protective um, plastic. That would be strange. But and you can see right where the right where the camera would be located, that little area of the bug eye is smooth. 
It yeah, doesn't right. have those ridges, yeah. Yeah, agreed. But um, for the locations of these cameras, it would be exactly the same locations like the HP Reverb T2 has it. And we, we know now that this kind of positioning is not really optimal for your for for the volume, of for the tracking volume, because you will lose tracking quite easily if you hold the controller up and if you hold it down. So I would be, I would honestly be not happy about this kind of design again. So on the other design though, the other design though, you cannot see cameras, right? Uh, here in, if you if you have a look at, at those designs here, you don't- Yeah, there's really... six of them. No. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, maybe, they, maybe. they are, but um, in these designs, they they are there are little holes, right? And they look exactly like the lighthouse tracking sensors that you see in the the original Vive, for example, or in the Vive Pro, or in other um, lighthouse headsets. So I'm still thinking that this design could be like a lighthouse tracked headset. What do you think about that? I would be very surprised because where like would they actually be licensing the technology from Valve or would they have their own little cubes that you would get with this thing and you would put the cubes in different places? Um, so I don't know. I just like I've always thought, OK, this has to be inside out, because if we look at the original bug, the original bug ones, it does appear that you have those obvious four cameras that are on the outside one thing we haven't talked about yet is the new controller images right. and designs and the controllers. The reason I'm going to bring this up right now is because the controller tracking ring does not appear to have any lights or any sensors or anything like that, which makes me kind of believe that it might be a magnetic tracking system for the controller. Samsung apparently has a patent for that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah, let's talk a moment about the controllers. Also oh, a very, yeah. Yeah, before we talk about controllers, yeah. can we just mention real quick the Halo strap and the built-in headphones? I oh, mean, yes, they're learning. Yes. They're learning from their mistakes of their predecessors. I'm actually, you know, this is probably the easiest thing to design of, uh, compared to the rest of it. But I'm just excited that maybe, just maybe, we will have a comfortable experience right off box and we won't need to like buy anything right. extra which is it's such a big such a big problem now but yeah yeah back right. to control right <laughs> yeah right but you're right let's yeah you're right that look, does look um kind of um comfortable some kind of psvr style halo style uh, coming with kind of cheap though kind of cheap and flimsy looking it, it does so? have the the samsung odyssey logo all over the place like they got the odyssey logo on the top of it and then at the back of that head strap you have the odyssey logo cut out of it and I don't know, when I'm looking at this plastic, I, I'm looking at it and it seems kind of flimsy. And I just hope, you know, you, you hope that it can hold on to your head pretty solid. Um, the built-in audio is great from the standpoint of how many of us had the first quest where you put the first quest on and then you're looking for your headphones and you're trying to plug your headphones in and then put those on. And so it's a two-step process. So to have headphones already there is really nice, but we got to hope that the audio quality is up to like uh, CV1 and deluxe audio strap levels. Hopefully. I think so because yeah. the Samsung Odyssey and Samsung Odyssey Plus headphones, they were 
very good. They were definitely CV1 style and actually, yeah, it definitely is good. They were done by AKG and they know about sound. So I think cool. this should be good. And they look exactly the same or very similar to how they looked on the Odyssey Plus. So I think in terms of sound, that should be quite nice. And some people will enjoy this kind of design, the, the on-ear design, because, yeah, for Valve Index, it's great to have these hovering headphones, but still you can hear what's happening outside, right, outside of VR. And for these, you can be more immersed when you have those on your ears. Well, interesting. Yeah, but now let's talk about the controllers. So interesting part about these controllers is this kind of tracking ring. It's kind of like around your wrist. You have to reach through it to grab the controllers and then most probably this kind of tracking ring is around your wrist. And at least in these, in these kind of um, renders, you see that you have a trackpad and thumb, some kind of thumbstick and only one menu button. So in my personal opinion, that, it, that would be strange if they really came out only with this kind of, um, yeah, with a trackpad instead of having like buttons because the industry is still going into the Oculus direction where you have a thumbstick and two buttons, right? But this, this, is, this looks like the old, um, yeah, the old Windows Mixed Reality controllers where you do have that, where you do have this trackpad and a thumbstick but no buttons, no face buttons. And honestly, I didn't enjoy that very much. Not having, not to have buttons. What do you, what do you think about that? I think this completely kills the deal for me. <laughs> See, now when I first saw all this information, I started to get super excited, like the information that came out this last week, because I just sold my Valve Index. I need a new headset. This is perfect timing. If Samsung announced Odyssey Supreme coming out on March 23rd, I'd be very happy. But the problem is this controller kills the deal for me because okay. the idea that I don't have legitimate buttons to actually press, I'm not gonna press a touchpad and try to pretend that's a button. Right. No way, I'm sorry. And then the tiny little PlayStation Vita nub, like that's a little <laughs> tiny miniature thumbstick. That's not a full, full size thumbstick. I know the Oculus Touch thumbstick is a little bit smaller, but it's not a tiny little PlayStation Vita nub like that thing. But Anthony, isn't it the same what people were saying when just this, you know, the smartphones were coming yeah, out? Yeah, and I don't use those buttons? for games either. Uh, <laughs> I don't well, use those okay. for games either. Yeah, but you know, a lot of people were just not ever be you know thought that they would be ready to use them for anything because of how how used we were to using physical buttons. And honestly, I just now noticed that there aren't those two buttons. I'm like, You're what? Right. I had to take my own controller and like, really? Yeah, yeah. all the buttons are there except for A and B. I really don't know. I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to believe that this is one of the iterations and there might be. I hope so. Maybe I think so. But if not, they they better have a really good reason. Yeah. I, if they... If they if they come out like this, I'm with Anthony. I think this this is not good. This is not right, because okay, we had we had this kind of design with the trackpad only for the Vive ones, and it sucked already there. Now then, we, the Windows Mixed Reality headsets came out with these kind of um, thumbstick and and thumbpad both. But then also, I didn't really use the, the 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 pad so often. I had to sometimes in order to emulate real buttons. But it's not good. It's simply not good. And then now here on 
on the Valve Index controller, we also have this kind of um, pad, but I'm also never using it. I'm I'm really not using that in virtual reality. I don't know, Anthony. Did you yeah. use Did you use that no. thing? No, right? It was a short-lived concept. Look, the original Vive controller seemed like an incredible space-age thing <laughs> when we first got it. Right. But but in the long term for playing games, I'm sorry, buttons and thumbsticks are the way to go. I know you want to jump off into the future, but let's get real here. Thumbsticks and buttons are the way to go right now. Right. And the whole industry is moving towards this, right? Even the, the HP Reverb has the same button layout like the Oculus headsets now. It doesn't make sense now to go against this. So I hope this is just some iteration and they're going yeah. to have like like good other controllers <laughs> down the line. Right. What do you think Can about I this ring? A... Yeah, of course. Well, well, here's a big question. So the I think the biggest question of this entire thing is this Windows Mixed Reality oh, 2.0? Good question. Is this a yes. leak? of Windows Mixed Reality 2.0. Now, no. one thing I'll say real quick before you respond to that is looking at all these drawings, all these patent drawings, one thing I notice is the Samsung Odyssey logo is like all over the place in, in various spots, even like little small ones that are on the controller, little mm -hmm. Samsung Odyssey uh, controller uh, symbol is on there. And what I'm not seeing anywhere is the little Windows Mixed Reality symbol. Now, it might not be on a patent design anyway, but you would think if we have completely redesigned controllers, that's why I got super excited when I first saw it. When I first saw it, I thought, oh my God, there must be a new template for Windows Mixed Reality 2.0. This must be the real 2.0. This is the new template because these controllers are completely redesigned. This is a new concept. These might be magnetic and all this stuff. This is like a new generation, right? But I don't know. I don't know that Windows Mixed Reality is involved with this at all. And maybe that's a good thing because I don't think Microsoft would make a template without having real buttons. Microsoft is smarter than that. So I don't know, I'm confused by the I'm whole thing. I'm not so sure if Microsoft is smarter than that because <laughs> their Windows Mixed Reality headsets, they didn't have buttons, right? They came up with this kind of kind of design, oh. right? So I don't think so. And um, in general, I have the feeling that Samsung is now dropping Windows Mixed Reality. Probably they thought like, you know what, if we have to go with Win Windows Mixed Reality, we have to go with the same for camera setup that the HP Reverb G2 is using, which is okay, but it's not as good as as Oculus headsets, right? And I think Samsung, they want to deliver something better. They want to deliver something that gamers will be really excited about. And as we could tell, there's lots of unhappiness about um, the tracking not being as good as the Oculus tracking for the G2. And I don't think that Samsung wants to come out with this headset and then also have the same problems in giving that tracking to Windows Mixed Reality to give it to, to give this away, right? They want to do it themselves. And therefore, I think it makes sense for Samsung to drop Windows Mixed Reality. Also, the whole Windows Mixed Reality thing, you cannot really feel that uh, Microsoft is bullish about it, not at all. It's just, it's just like a side project, a little side project that they really don't care about. You don't have any kind of marketing push. It's very strange. There's, they, they, I don't really feel that Microsoft is all in, like, wow, 
Windows Mixed Reality. We're excited about it. <laughs> like, like, no, <laughs> like, not at all. Like, who's excited about VR? Yes, Oculus. You know, that's the thing, right? They, they do everything about it, and everything is just about it. But Windows Mixed Reality, no. So I believe that Samsung found that, that Microsoft is treating this as the, the red-headed stepchild <laughs> that they have there somewhere, but they don't really care about it so much. So Samsung found this out, and they thought, like, you know what? We also need to be in that space. So we need to really, like, establish our own branding, our own line of technology. And therefore, I think now this is happening. And I'm not sure if it's going to co be called Samsung Odyssey. There's also another um, patent and another trademark which is um, which was given to Samsung last year. It's, and th this trademark is called Samsung Galaxy Space. So we could be looking at a Samsung Galaxy Space here. And yeah, it would make sense that they simply want to establish this new brand. And then also, we didn't really finish our talk about the tracking. So mm. I could believe that this actually is either Lighthouse license from Samsung because they would have the production facility to really make lots of these base stations. Those base stations, those Lighthouse base <laughs> stations are always sold out. They are so hard to get. It's basically the one VR accessory that everybody wants and not everybody can get because it's always sold out and very expensive. So for Samsung, I don't think they would say like, okay, if you get the Samsung Galaxy uh, Space or whatever it's called, you have to get your, your base stations now from Valve. I think they must have a licensing, licensing deal and they must produce them in the millions or whatever so that it's easy to, to get them. Or they even have their own technology which works similar and, yeah, their own new tracking thing. Because tracking is important, right? It's going to be a topic not just for this year, but for the whole future of XR. So why not simply go for it and make their own thing? What do you, guys, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it would be ideal <laughs> if they weren't held back by the original Windows Mixed Reality technology, which is outdated at this point. Uh, no question about it. If it was Valve, like if those were actual sensors where it could work with Valve lighthouses and you could also get it in a package from Samsung, that's good. But to me, the best aspect of that whole entire thing would be the possibility of using Valve Index controllers instead of these. As much as I don't like Valve Index controllers, at least they've got a couple freaking buttons on them. And right. these don't have a couple buttons on them. So I'm hoping that maybe this, maybe we get a redesigned controller very slightly. I hope all the feedback that Samsung gets by this leaking and coming out is like, come on, Samsung, where's the buttons? I hope they, they like, pause, pause. Let's add a couple buttons onto this thing. Hopefully yeah, they're watching this show here right now. <laughs> Samsung, right. give us them buttons. And maybe this is what happened with this redesign of the headset too. Maybe it was the reaction to could be to, to people who were saying, "Come on, no BIs." Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to be a uh, fly that. in VR. <laughs> right, right. Right. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. So. And then we have those rings too. Right. The rings. What do you think about those rings when you wear it? Uh, it's hard to imagine. It's just so different, right? I've never really seen anything like this on the VR controller. And um, uh, maybe, I don't know, almost looks like they wanted to do the tracking ring and the strap at the same time. Mm -hmm. But perhaps the design would prevent some shock damage because the rings on, let's say, Oculus Quest, right? They hit, they get hit a lot because they're like protruding a little bit. So you don't really have the same sense of your hand. But 
maybe because the string will be right where your hand is, you won't be hitting it so much. Because that be. also apparently has been a problem. A lot of people had to replace them because they, they destroyed them as they were playing. Could be. And actually, I have seen this kind of design before. Mm -hmm. And actually, I've seen this with Pimax. Can you remember? Pimax had these Pimax sword controllers. We haven't heard from them for a long time. But they have the, a very similar concept where also you, you kind of grab through the ring, the tracking ring, and then the ring is some kind of around your wrist. And yeah, we'll see how oh. that works. Oh, oh. So, I see now. Yeah, yeah. I see. so who knows? That might be really interesting to see. Yeah. The question is just, how about those rings? Will they touch each other when you play? Like that's that's like a like a critique it that people have. It seems like about. it would. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they're still smaller than the one that Pimax that you have just mentioned. They seem like actually touching your your wrist. Right. But if like they're, they're too small, what if you were a big gigantic right. dude? How do yes. you even get your hand up in there? Exactly. You know. Exactly. That's very risky, very risky design. I think they're just they're going all in. Like they are either like it or hate it. And right. it looks like there's quite a few haters around here about this design. Wow. They better they better really think it through. But really interesting. I hope that we're going to see this headset this year. Uh, obviously, I always love to have new uh, VR hardware to check out. So hopefully, we're going to get this this year. Do you think this is going to come out this year? What do you think? I oh, think I... we're due. I think we're due for a new headset. W one of the biggest questions, you know, one thing we haven't mentioned at all is like, what kind of screen does it have? Does it have eye tracking? You know, these kinds of things. I mean, th this is Samsung we're talking about. And Samsung has, at various trade shows, Samsung has shown off some high-end displays. And Samsung is a leader in this category. So you're talking like high dynamic range and micro OLED and all these different technologies that was like in that Panasonic one and stuff. I'm looking forward to see Panasonic bring the noise, you know, in terms of like having a really nice screen that blows people you away. You mean Samsung? Yeah, Samsung. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. I really don't think it's going to come out this year. And because of all the things that Anthony just said, if they are really going to introduce us with these amazing features and they have eye tracking, maybe hand tracking, all these things, why haven't we heard about this? Why haven't we even heard the slightest announcement? I mean, these are just patents, right? right. They haven't been officially announced. Agreed. And I think that if they were ready to, unless they're keeping it a super private secret and then bam, here it is at the end of the year, they want to keep it a surprise. But I really don't see why they would want to do that. I would want to build up a hype if I knew that, yeah, we got this really awesome uh, VR set coming out. We really want to get people excited. And we don't see them doing any of that. So You're I, right. I have serious doubt. You're right. CES would be like a great platform to show something off, right? Or their unpacked event just recently where they show off the, the Samsung Galaxy S21 would also be good to at least show them, hey, we have something else coming, but nothing. The thing about CES, though, just to go back to CES for a quick second, okay. because CES was this online thing, this virtual thing, do you really believe that, I, I, I mean, I would assume that a lot of huge companies that would have been at CES if it was a physical deal, I, I assume that a lot of them are like, eh, we're good. We'll, we'll do our own little private internet thing in early February if we want. So I, I think the fact that it necessarily wasn't announced at CES 
doesn't mean anything because of this virtual CES. There's okay. a lot of companies that haven't revealed their stuff yet. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Wow. So who knows? Probably we're still going to hear something from Samsung. Samsung is really due. Samsung Odyssey Plus came out in 2018. Now it's 2021. So it's about time. And I do think they also want to be a player in this VR and AR market. So they better deliver something. And I would be up for that for sure. All right, cool. There was the Samsung device. Now let's talk about something else. Let's talk about the Oculus Quest again. And let's talk about the announcement that there's soon going to be different, um, soon uh, multiple accounts on an Oculus Quest. And Tatiana, probably you could tell us a bit more about it. You were into that topic. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you a little bit more about because of how confusing it is. Okay, and I think us. that we need to talk about it just to just to keep it straight. So there are these two big functionalities that have been announced coming in February. So the first one is called multi-user accounts. And the second one, which is directly connected to that first one is app sharing. So basically what it means is, as you know, we could have gotten easily banned if we were trying to, if we tried to connect more than one Facebook account to our Oculus Quest 2. And there have been some unfortunate experiences for some users where, you know, they were banned. And now they're coming up with this new uh, um, <laughs> sort of affordance that you can connect more than one account, particularly you can add up to three additional accounts, which will be secondary, and one primary account. So this, this sounds great because you can actually share all the apps that you bought on your primary account with secondary accounts. So you can have up to three other uh, um, household mem members using the same accounts on the same device uh, and keep their own leaderboards and uh, add their own friends, uh, keep their achievements without mixing it. And I think this is great for households with kids and, you know, you, you don't really want to mess around your leaderboard. So, so I think this is, this is wonderful that they're doing it. But there is an issue with that that is easy to miss. And that is if you, if you were to connect one of those secondary accounts to a different quest, it would automatically become the primary account of that quest. And you will lose access to all of those apps that were shared to that account initially when it was still a secondary account. So, so this is a problem that, um, that I saw personally because like, okay, if you really want to have two people playing the same game, wouldn't you want to play it at the same time like a multiplayer? So you would want two devices. But then if you connect it to a second device, you kind of lose the benefit. Yeah. So so this is right. this is what it is. And I have a I have a thought of how to get around this, but I want I would like to hear what you think about this first. Let's first let's first understand it better. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do this let's do this um, yeah, one by one. So let's say I have one Oculus Quest and right. I'm using it. In, in my household and uh, let's say I'm playing Beat Saber competitively and uh, I have my name in the leaderboards, right? But now I want my wife or my wife wants to play with my quest and she doesn't want to, to get my name higher in the leaderboards. She wants her name in the leaderboards, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Now, so now she can, she can use this multiple account feature 
and she can play um, Beat Saber on that on my quest with her Facebook account without having to be, to to buy Beat Saber. Is that correct? Absolutely, that's a, that's a yes. great example. Yes. Okay. Where you can yeah, you have access okay. to this game. That's good, accounts. right? Th that's on good. The same on the same device, though. Okay, that's good. But now she gets into VR, which I know it's not going to happen for some strange reason. <laughs> yeah, my dear wife is not into this whole thing. <laughs> so um, okay, so but let's think. She also gets her own quest now, and now she logs into the, her own quest with her. Uh, with her own Facebook account because you still you have to use Facebook account right for the quest too, and yeah. and then she cannot see she cannot play Beat Saber anymore because that's right because um, it's uh, the, the the Beat Saber sharing only happens on this quest on my quest so it it works like an insurance right so when you had your VR quest you had these three children and you could give them those apps for free. But now the children grow up and they get their own quest and they become grown-ups. So they become the primary account of that quest and they lose the benefit of all those free apps if okay. they become yeah. the primary account. Right. So Upload VR had an idea where they said, here's the best idea. They said, uh, according to how they think that this is going to work out, imagine there's a family <clears throat> that has three Oculus Quests. What they would want to do is they would want to put the same primary account on all three of those Oculus Quests. So, Sebastian, your primary account would be on all three Oculus Quests. Then you could have secondary accounts on all of those three Oculus Quests, okay. and they can play whatever you're buying. So you buy one game one time, and it filters through all the quests. That's probably the best way to do it. Yes. But one thing I was going to say to uh, Tetiana is this system isn't really a foreign system. It's pretty much what Microsoft does and what Sony does. For example, if I have an Xbox, right? Let's say me and my best buddy have an Xbox. I'm primary on my Xbox, and he's secondary. On his Xbox, he's primary. I'm secondary. Well, the way that works is if he buys a game, I can play it. If I buy a game, he can play it. You can always do that when you just have two people that want to like just share yeah. everything back and forth. Except there is one, another limitation that is, makes it a little bit different. So if you buy a game on your primary account, primary Facebook account, then you can share it with secondary account. But if you, share, if you buy it on secondary, you can't share it with any other account. And that's the problem. But, no, but on right. the other headset, they would be the primary, and you would be the secondary on the other headset. The other person would on be the primary. Other, so all the games need to be bought on the primary account. And that's the only condition how you can have access to those apps. If you buy an app on a secondary account, you can play it, but you can't share it. Okay. I think yeah. we need a lawyer. Can we get a lawyer to yeah, come yeah. in and explain everything? <laughs> but, yeah. but, I, but Anthony, but that's the solution that you just described is exactly the, what I had in mind. And actually, you can have not, not three, but up to four uh, headsets because the first one would be the primary and the other three would be secondary, right? So all four headsets would be logged in with one single uh, primary account. And then because you can have up to three secondary accounts, then well, that's... Those are the three additional VR headsets you can connect. It said three devices, though. Was it and three devices or up to three devices? Uh, it was and? 
what it was up to, I guess. If you I don't don't. think we know right now. Like we, and oh, one other thing about this whole deal, like you kept saying February, and I've, a lot of people are saying February. Yeah. I have a feeling this is going to happen before February. And you know why? Because if you go to the Oculus subreddit right now, there's people that already have little screenshots of like activate, share, like these different buttons in the menus. And yeah. that's in the beta. That's like in the beta, I believe. So like, I think this is ready to roll out real soon. So we might not even have to wait till February. Well, what you're describing is the people are being rolled, uh, they're, they're being opted in to this function. And up until February 13, you have an option to opt out. That's oh, why they have okay. that. So that if you don't want that, I guess you can opt out. So they describe that you can go to settings, go to mm -hmm. app sharing, and then you can like cancel that. But that little window that you see means that you are in their system ready to your quest is ready to receive this new functionality and i'm just checking the article it does say that to start a primary account holder can add up to three secondary accounts which means that you can have up to three more uh yeah. oculus quests con connected through you know those secondary accounts. well so that's on an individual quest i think you could have the primary account and then three so you could have a total of four accounts on an individual quest but in yeah. terms of the actual hardware, I don't know. I mean, we're going to find out all these details pretty soon. One little tiny detail, though, is all of these accounts have to be linked with Facebook. So, like, I have a Quest 1 right now that has an Oculus account that is not linked to Facebook right now. I can't put it on my Quest 2 because I don't have another Facebook account to put on there. So I'm, in a, I'm stuck, right? But the mm -hmm. thing is, if I wanted to do multiple accounts on my Quest One, and people are going to be able to do that, but now you've got to link beginning. everything to Facebook, right? What? Yeah. In the beginning, it's not going to work on the Quest. In the beginning, this is only going to work on the Quest Two. This is one little detail. Really? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This is only yeah. going to work on the well. Quest Two, probably because <laughs> yeah, because of that reason. Because you you yeah. have to use a Facebook account, and then later, this is going to roll out to all the quests, also to the quests once, but then you will need to use your Facebook account again, right? And uh, that is <laughs> yeah. not really amazing, in my opinion, as you know. So MRTV, wait, yes. uh, Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, Sebastian. what's the matter, VR365, Anthony? Yeah. MRTV, yeah, I think of you as MRTV, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, that's okay. Um, but Sebastian, yep. do you only have one Oculus account in your entire life, only one Oculus account? You've never had two Oculus accounts? I only had one Oculus account. That's right. Oh, I guess I'm a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. Well, see, I was in VR Roundtable, and I was in you know different podcasts. All right, then you did some some other accounts. Oh, I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Anyways, there's one more thing that I'm wondering about, and um, that thing is if you're using like um, this the 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 first account on three different headsets, and the three different headsets are running at the same time. I think there should also be some restrictions for that, and I I, I think I read something that you cannot run the three the, the same game with the, the with the with the with the main account on three different headsets at the same time in order to prevent these kind of tricks where you would have that running <laughs> because yeah. yeah it's the same thing with with Steam VR. Like I, I could share my my Steam VR account with you guys, and probably I did already with some of you. But then we cannot play the the same game at the same time because, well, they are smarter than that, right? 
<laughs> the same thing with, with Netflix. Uh, I could share my, my Netflix account with, with 10 people, but not 10 people can watch at the same time. Depends on how much you pay monthly. Yeah, right? exactly. exactly. Well, that's a big concern too. I was wondering, yeah, if you log in with three different accounts, will you actually be able to take advantage of playing multiplayer games? And I did find I found a statement that says that, no, you won't be able to run the same app from the same account logged into multiple devices. But uh, different accounts can run the shared app simultaneously. So it sounds like you will be able to play let's say, you know, uh, uh, Beat Saber multiplayer with your wife if she is logged in through a secondary account on her own Quest 2 and you're logged in with primary. Based on what this statement from Oculus says, you will be able to do that as long as they're different accounts. So that sounds promising, but but, mm-hmm. but there's no guarantee. I don't I really know how they're actually it's, going to execute. So I'm talking about it like I know. <laughs> I really don't. I'm hoping You'll this find is out. going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people will make a lot of videos explaining how this crap works yeah, when right. it finally happens, right? right? But it's it's good that it's coming. I think in general that because that was kind of bad that only one Facebook account is is always on one one quest, right? So I think it's good that they're actually thinking into it in the first place, and that we're going to get it. One more thing that we're going to get um, rather sooner than later, and that was re- revealed by Mr. Bosworth, the the head of the Facebook Reality Labs, is the new way of getting content that is not officially in the Quest store. So right now, the way that we get the content, like for example, Doom 3, is via SideQuest, which is pretty amazing. I think it's amazing. All kinds of content is there, and there is no content curation. There is adult entertainment. There is anything. Anything that basically is goes can be sideloaded to the Quest. Now they are introducing a new model where, there, where content that is not in the official Quest store can still be distributed by developers, and that's by unlisted apps. So the game, the games are the games or the apps. They are still on the Oculus servers, but they are unlisted. Just like an unlisted video on YouTube, where you can, if you want, you can share the URL with your friends or with your community, and people can still watch the video. But it's not in the official list, not in, on the official YouTube content list, for example. And the same thing on Facebook. So what do you what do you think about this kind of distribution model as compared to SideQuest where the control over that content is out of Facebook's reach, but now with this kind of model, the control is still with Facebook because they will still <laughs> because they will still say, "Hey, what kind of content is unlisted?" It's their servers, right? For SideQuest, it's completely different. It's like anything goes, right? But for this model, it's still on the Facebook servers, and they still get to say what is going to be unlisted and whatnot. What do you think about this? I don't know about your second part there where they get to say. I think this is just a delivery mechanism. The the thing is, a lot of these, like, isn't this the reason, like, Apple is being sued by Epic and all of that? Don't you have to... Don't you have to give people an opportunity to run like unlicensed code on the device? Otherwise, you become like this monop, like like you, 
you have like a monopolistic thing going on. No, so but it's I, your I device. Think, it's your device. Like, why why shouldn't you control what's on it? It's your device. I think there's some. I think there's some law about being able to. I, I don't. I don't understand it, but I've heard that there's some law about it, right? So I don't I've think there's a law about it. I've heard that's why Facebook has always kind of allowed side quests to exist because you kind of have to do this or you could possibly be sued for anti-competitive. No, but here's the bottom so. line with this. I think, well, we'll have to find yeah, out Yeah, we have later. to figure it out. Yeah. We need that lawyer I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, we about. do. But, um, <laughs> but the thing is getting these apps on your quest without having to like be a developer and do this step and that step and this step. I think all of that is great. So supposedly, like if you buy to the top, you can just get a URL for to the top. You put it in your Oculus account and then boom, it'll appear on your quest. And it's un it's unlisted and it's not going to look all fancy like it was in the store and everything. But on your quest, you'll be able to you'll be able to find it and and uh, download it and install it. And then you'll be able to play it. And you don't have to, like, pretend you're a developer and all this other stuff. I think that's kind of good. But does it mean that all these apps are going to be free if it's just the link? It's unlisted. Um, no. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to work all that in th terms of. Yeah, yeah, we will have to find out. But I, I, I think it, I think it would be the same model that you can still buy it once you have the URL. Then you could still buy it, probably also. Yeah, it could be a very specific URL that has a certain digit to it, where that's the only URL you get. And they might say, hey, this URL is as good as cash. So if anybody freaking, if anybody sees it, they can put it on their quest and you're, and you're stuck. I don't, I don't know how well, that's no, going to work. We will see how it works. So how I imagine it now, okay, if you have this URL, then you get to, you, you can still, you still have to log into your Oculus, to your Facebook account. It could be on the, on the Oculus.com website. So you you um you you use that that link which brings you to the Oculus website where you have to log in with your Facebook account then you can buy that game if it's a paid game on the Oculus website and Oculus still earns their 30% and you're going to have that game now on your Quest this is basically how i believe it's going to work really would, yeah okay if it works yes. like that that would be pretty game changing that that kills side quest dead that's that's the point that is the <laughs> point that is oh, the point yeah. But yes. as long as Facebook doesn't really want to still control even those unlisted items, I I really don't don't I don't Here's know the if they would be yeah, able the to problem. let them go. The problem mm. with that, Sebastian, is them taking thirty percent of something. Here's the problem with that. Then that means they need. There's no way they're going to take money on something unless they know everything that's in that app and that there's no like pornographic material or you know what I mean. So so then you might as well be a store app and go through the entire process of being vetted. So I don't think they're going to take thirty percent. I don't. I don't. Well, probably they're going to take less because that 30, <laughs> because that thirty percent they're also taking it because. They are on the store, and it's some kind of great marketing to be on the store, right? So that's part of the 30%. Probably it's going to be, be less. But I still think there is going to be some kind of vetting process. So they will not be as strict uh, where they say, okay, this must look really great, right? Okay, uh, probably to the top doesn't look as good as other games. But, okay, then you can still be unlisted. But in my opinion, they are killing side quests dead with this. <laughs> Bec yeah, because... No, well, you're, yeah, you're talking about like an experimental store like Xbox had that at one time. They had an experimental store and people could sell things for like a dollar, two dollars, these little tiny games. 
it, it right. was like Xbox indie, whatever. Okay. They killed it eventually, but um, they had that. And I've always said, why not have an experimental store where you have to the top and games that for some weird reason, like Pixel Rip 1989. The only way you can get Pixel Rip 1989 in your quest is to buy 1995 and then to buy Pixel Rip 1989 as a DLC. That's so strange. It's, it's madness. <laughs> it's so strange and it's so good, the game. So yeah. it's it's like um, yeah, not really transparent which games got into the store and which games did not get into the store for what reasons. And even the developer didn't get the information. I recently spoke to a German developer uh, who didn't get into this store and they simply didn't get great information why this would be the reason. Oh, yeah. That's bad practice. Yeah, that's that's really that's really bad practice. And um, yeah, for for this new model, I must tell you on the one hand it seems to be good, right? That that every, everything can now get to the store as unlisted. But on the other hand, I really enjoyed that kind of side quest where really everything was was so interesting, where we could get, uh, for example, virtual desktop, right? Uh, where we could have like uh, the oh, wireless. Oh man! Quest. If they kill that, if they yeah, kill they could, that, they could do that. They could oh, kill it. Oh my god, that would be devastating. Come because on, that's something that they had to have themselves in the first place and they did right, so right. someone fixed their mistake and they want to kill it i know i i really believe this could happen i really believe that this kind of new method of side loading things is just another way to 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 get the control back because they will get the control back if you still want to be unlisted it's still going to be on that oculus servers that's what i believe right now and you then, know what yeah that would be bad all hell all hell is going to break loose if if uh, if virtual desktop does not stream Steam VR games anymore. That yeah. will cause a major riot on like the Oculus right. Quest subreddit and the Oculus subreddit. People will be up in arms over that. No, that no, no, could but, happen. It could happen. But, but unless they introduce an official way to do it, and so you wouldn't have to sideload a mod that would modify a virtual desktop to play games. I mean, why doesn't virtual yeah. desktop play these games to begin with. I think that if they were to kill it, they are smarter than that. They wouldn't be, they yeah. make so many Agreed. people angry. I think they would just introduce a more formal way to do it, which they should do. They, they should do it. I think that's the way they're doing it. I, I don't think they will kill SideQuest dead, just like, okay, <laughs> now SideQuest is dead and you cannot use it anymore. I think I think they will, they will introduce it in a way smarter way because they are smart. They're simply going to introduce this new method now for sideloading games, which is very convenient just with the link, right? So people are going to do this. And SideQuest is probably going to be just, uh, yeah, like uh, lots of links that you can find there. And and then if you want to really put in put in um, content that's not on the Facebook servers, like SideQuest is now, then probably they're going to increase the hurdle for you to use SideQuest. Like now, they already increased the hurdle. Now, if you want hey, to put... What about the um, what about the Beat Saber custom songs? Is that going to be killed the day that this thing goes through? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you'll <laughs> see. That would I cause don't a riot think as about well. It. That would cause another riot. That would be bad. I really yeah. don't want to think about it because they are already not happy about it. Every time you're trying to run a modded version, you get this big message in your face saying, you're a pirate. Uh, you're violating you're, our laws. You're a bad person. And yeah. People are, yeah, you're, people get legitimately scared that their accounts will get banned, Could which be. they completely well, have yeah. the power to do, except and they're doing they're it. Receiving, 
they are not. And not for Beat Saber, but for other things. Yes, yes, of course. But the thing is, Beat Saber modding has been going on for so long, ever since, you know, Quest 1. But obviously, there wasn't Facebook connected to it. But but now, still, every time you mod your Beat Saber, these logs go to Facebook. They know what you did. Of course. You are not just everything. being sneaky. No. They chose not to ban you. Right. Which means that on the surface they're angry and they're trying to get you to restore your your game to the original version but in reality they're just slapping wrists and not doing anything right really now. to yeah. stop it except right for this now. formality so i really don't know what they're going to do with it. i don't i don't want to think about it because I, it doesn't look like they like it but they're of not course. doing enough Topic. Yeah, right. Because they are afraid of that backlash. Anyways, what I was just saying, so they are making the hurdles already a bit higher to install SideQuest. Before, you, you had to have this kind of organization. You had to say that you're a developer, right? And in order to make an organization, you would simply come up with a name yeah. and, and that's it. So it's, it's no problem at all. Everybody could do it, right? But the hurdle is getting a bit higher now. Now, if you want to have an organization, you have to put in your credit card details. Okay, that is another little hurdle. So little by little, these hurdles are getting higher. So probably next, the next thing is going to be if you, if you um, say that you're a developer, perhaps you have to put in $15 a year in order to be that developer. For Apple, you have to put in $99. So why shouldn't they do it? And then if you have to put in $99 in order to, to use SideQuest when Facebook has their own method of sideloading apps, they do kill SideQuest dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah. Not, not like so obviously, but more sneakily. And I think that's going to happen because they don't want to have that headline, side, they have killed SideQuest. No, it's simply going to happen and they're simply going to make it in a more sneaky and smart way. And that's, I think, it's yeah, what's going to happen. Right. Oh, you it's know, possible. one other thing about this whole entire deal is guess what? The only people that can take advantage of this new new advantages you got to link your Facebook account. So the right. people that have not linked their Facebook account yet won't be able to do these nice little creative things. Uh, another crazy thing, too, is I could imagine a scenario. Three months from now, Oculus Quest 1s are super valuable because you can still use virtual desktop in the old way and it hasn't been killed. But if you've got an Oculus Quest 2, it's been killed. Could Maybe. be. Could happen like that. Could be, could be. Oh my goodness. So one thing about this podcast is that we want the community to also engage with us and we want them to vote and give us their opinion. And already in two episodes, I've totally forgotten to tell people the, the <laughs> result of those of those polls, right? So first of all, the poll for today, I simply want to understand, we simply want to understand our viewers a bit better. And the question is about forced Facebook login. What do you think about forced Facebook login that you have to use your Facebook account with your Quest 2? Do you think that's okay and you don't worry about it because so many companies already have your data? Or do you feel bad about it? And that's the reason why you don't have a Quest 2. Or you are you worry about this, but you are a VR enthusiast, and because of that, you simply have to get the Quest 2. We want to hear from you. So right now, please go to the polls, to the voting station, and the link is down in the description of this video. Go and vote now and vote live. Tell us. Go to the link now. Also, Anthony, go there now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm going to do it. I'm go there do it. now. Mm -hmm. 
Go there now and please cast your vote. The link is down in the description of this video. So please tell us now, what do you think about forced Facebook login on Quest 2? Option number one, I oppose it. And that is why I don't buy an Oculus product. Option number two, I oppose it. But as a VR enthusiast, I got to have the Quest 2. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, option number three is... It is not an issue for me at all. They all have my data by now. And that's what I think Anthony is going to choose. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so this is going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to find out what the viewers of this podcast and the listeners of this podcast think about it. But I also um, want to let you know about the outcome of last week's <laughs> of last week's poll. Last week, um, um, we were asking you, what is the game that you're looking forward to the most? And the winner is Lone Echo 2. Lone Echo 2 won last week. So, so yeah, that is that is what happened. Quest only. No. <laughs> Quest only. <laughs> right. That is that is what happened um, last last week. Lone Echo Two One. So people are really looking forward to Lone Echo Two, but we have still no idea is it going to come out for the for the Quest Two as a Quest Two but, exclusive or still for the PC VR. Yes. Yeah, but Anthony called it because he, he, his suggestion was to talk about Lone Echo Two first. <laughs> I think that was the first game we talked about oh, last yeah, podcast. Kind, so, kind of early. So yeah. Anthony called it. <laughs> right, right. He he wants it, right? Anthony, you're looking forward to Lone Echo Two a lot. Absolutely, yeah. And we should get some announcements pretty soon. It's about time we hear hear about some of these games. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, so now is your last chance to cast your vote. Again, the link is down in the description of this video. What do you think about forced Facebook login on Quest 2? I oppose it, and that's why I don't buy Oculus, an Oculus product. I oppose it, but as a VR enthusiast, I got to have the Quest 2, or it's not an issue for me at all, and they all have my data anyways. Please cast your vote right now. This is an online poll, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to tell you about the results, actually, in a minute <laughs> or in a moment, actually. So <laughs> let me have a look at the results. And I'm going to share this with you now so you can see the results. So here we are. And what do you think about forced Facebook login on Quest 2? 61 point, no, 60% say I oppose it. And that's why I don't own an Oculus product. Wow. So the majority hates that on this on, on this podcast. Number two, so it's still live, so that's why it's still changing, but you can get an idea. I oppose it, but as a VR enthusiast, I still own the Quest 2. 31% feel like that. And the rest, it's not an issue for me, around 10%, and that's why I, yeah, I don't care about it at all. Interesting, right? So the majority really doesn't like this kind of uh, forced Facebook login, and that's why they don't own any kind of Oculus hardware. Um, Interesting, I mean, right? I think, it, I think it would be also important to know where the people are located because let's say they're in Germany. Right, right. I don't think they You're would right. be owning it. <laughs> I, I really haven't seen many people for who would have such a strong moral ground, at least here in America, to not own it because it's just so easy to own Of course. It. It's so easy to connect it and 
Americans are all about easy. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just right. connected with my Google account. Okay, my you're Facebook right. Yes. <laughs> but you see, you see the the audience of this podcast. They really stand their moral grounds, and like sixty percent are not going to buy it because of that. And I, yeah, I think that's. You that's know what's cool. funny though? Okay, they stand their moral ground, right? But you know as well as I do, Sebastian, that if Oculus came out with the Oculus Rift 2 right. with varifocal lenses, half dome, 140 sure. degrees, all kinds of technological advancements, but you still need a Facebook account, I guarantee you half of that 61% is caving. They're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, we are, we are VR enthusiasts. Like, we love the technology, and we simply want to have the latest and greatest. Like, I, you know, right, I'm, I totally hate it that we are being forced to use Facebook login. It comes with all kinds of problematic things. It, it, it sucks. It's a pain in the ass. And I truly believe that Facebook shoot themselves in the foot here on the long run. I think that's really bad. But I still have it. I still have it because... I simply want to try these kind of things like Doom 3 on the Quest 2, right? I simply like that. So, yeah, I did skip. Yeah, YouTubers uh, have to have it. I have Come to have on. it. If yes, we're a YouTuber, we sure. got to have it. I have to have it, right, to, to check out all the stuff. But anyways, still, I like the outcome, and I like that our listeners and viewers, that they think about these issues and that they see this as an issue. Anyways, you know what, guys and girl, <laughs> we are already here with, we're already like two hours again. This is, yeah. it's crazy how fast time goes. And I want to cut this a bit shorter than before. We were going like for three hours and stuff without finding an end. So let's, <laughs> let's cut it off now. <laughs> yeah. And um, let's, um, yeah, let's, let's um, call it a day. It was yeah, I think it's a good place. Right. We, we covered so much, actually. Yeah, exactly. I'm very impressed with Exactly. And I'm, I'm very impressed by this podcast. I love it. And I'm so happy that, the, yeah, that our audience also loves it again. So many people watching this. Thank you so much for watching it. And if you enjoy it, tell everyone about this podcast, Next Dimension Podcast, every Saturday live and also on all the audio podcast providers. So absolutely. Apple? Apple yet? Um, that one, I'm not sure. I have to double check this one. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But uh, it's going to happen eventually. So, um, yeah, so absolutely um, give this a thumbs up. And yeah, that's it for this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. And um, we're looking forward to talk to you in the next episode. See you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. See you. Bye.